Hey, thank you so much for joining us for Noah's Window. Uh, yesterday, we wrapped up our discussion about Peter. And, uh, you know, that was a five-episode discussion, and I was so happy that we got to go through uh, his story. And one of the things you might have noticed about Peter is his story is widely known by Christians all over the world. Uh, but today, I, I want to kind of take us in a new direction. I want to talk about a story that a lot of people actually don't know very well. And uh, it takes place in the beginning of John chapter 9. So if you've got your Bible, just go ahead and open it up to John chapter 9, because we're going to dig into that all the way from the first verse. So in this story, Jesus has an interaction with a man who was born blind. And, you know, one of the things I love about the Bible is that there are certain passages that give us an up-close and personal look at the way God does things. And the reason why that's important is that there are times when God does not make sense to us. There are times where, where God's, way, God's ways are so much higher than ours that there's so many times where we wonder how we could ever figure out His will, His timing, and His plans. And I just want to comfort you today in the fact that God is aware of the fact that sometimes we have a hard time understanding. God is very much aware of the fact that sometimes we don't get it. it. It doesn't take him by surprise. One of the, probably one of the most comforting thoughts in the world is that nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing. And whenever we feel like we have a hard time understanding him, God is aware of that feeling. He empathizes with that feeling and he wants to help us with that feeling. And uh, the, the passage that I'm going to walk us through today is a passage that gives us, gives us a very personal look at the way God views suffering and the way God views difficult things. And uh, I just want to start in John 9 verse 1. And uh, we're going to start at the beginning of the chapter. And I just want you to pay close attention to this conversation because, again, Jesus and his disciples are interacting with this man who was born blind. This is verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Look at Jesus' answer. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. You know, this is something really personal for me and my wife, Elle. Uh, our son, Zeke, was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate. And uh, not long after he was born, actually just months after he was born, he had to have two surgeries, which were both very intensive. One to repair uh, the outside of his cleft, and then the second one was even much tougher, and that was to repair the inside of his cleft. And, you know, uh, what, what's tough about this is those surgeries were not the end. He has more surgeries ahead of him. Uh, in the near future, and it could be happening very soon again. And uh, it's not an easy thing to have to go back to the hospital again and, and try to explain to him, you know, what's going to happen and how that's going to work. And I remember before Zeke was born, I asked God why. I, I you know, I, I was asking God, why does Zeke have to, why does he have to go through so many surgeries when he's just a kid? He didn't do anything wrong. Why does he have to face uh, uh, medical challenges from the day from the day he is born all the way for the rest of his life? Why does he have to face these medical challenges? What did he do? He did nothing. Why? And then I thought about the fact that my son Zeke is just like this blind man. 
He was born so that the power of God could be seen in him. You know, Zeke was born so that the glory of the Lord could be seen in him. And this is what I mean by that. Let me explain. Let me explain. The greatest manifestations of God's power that I have ever seen are people who are in a very difficult position who overcome that difficulty through faith in Jesus Christ. They, they, I mean, I, I am never, let me just put it this way. I am never moved to tears when I see somebody talk about how their life is perfect and then give God the credit. I am mainly moved to tears when I see someone who is barely hanging on, who despite their challenges, they are full to the brim with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That is when I see the glory of God. That is when I move to tears. That is when I experience the glory of God, is when I see somebody who, through no fault of their own, is experiencing some very difficult challenge, but God, the the joy, the, the peace that passes understanding has settled on them, and they become a walking manifestation of the glory of God. And what's interesting to me is, Jesus is saying, it wasn't this man's sin, it wasn't his parents' sin. He was born this way so that the power of God could be seen in him through his difficulty, because of his difficulty. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says this, God says, my power works best in weakness. God said, my power works best in weakness. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? Here's why, this is why I believe he said it. When we are operating in our own strength, we are only accomplishing a small fraction of what we could be accomplishing if we were operating completely in God's strength. Let me say that one more time. When we are operating in our own strength because we think that our life is okay and we tell God, hey, I'll call for you when I need you. If you operate that way, you will only be accomplishing a tiny fraction of what you could be accomplishing if you were 100% reliant on the power of the Lord. And that is what, that is what God talks about when he says my power works best in weakness. In fact, the Apostle Paul actually said that God allowed him to experience a constant difficulty. Paul called it the thorn in the flesh. We still to this day don't know what it is. A lot of Bible scholars have a lot of fun debating what the thorn in the flesh is. But Paul said, God allowed me to experience this terrible difficulty and I asked God to take it away and he he wouldn't take it away. And what's interesting to me is if anybody, you would, if you would think if anybody was entitled to have God answer his prayer to be delivered from something, it would be Paul. Paul was uh, an apostle who wrote tons of books in your Bible, and he was somebody who had a very close personal relationship with Jesus. You would think that whatever Paul's, Paul prays for, it must be answered. And yet, and yet God, God told Paul, I'm not going to take this away from you. And that is where we get 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Because it is in that moment that God tells Paul, he says, First of all, God tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and, and you know what? That is, that's, a t- that's a tough thing to swallow, to, just to realize that God's grace is sufficient. But here's what's so great about that. What God is saying, he says, my grace is sufficient. What he's saying is, if all you have was what I could give you, it would be enough. If all you had, if literally everything, which by the way, in a way, all we have is from God. If you have money in your bank account today, if you have a job that you that you enjoy, if you have if your kids are healthy, if your life is going well, here's the thing, everything you have was given to you by God. Everything you have was given to you by God. 
God is saying, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. But the next thing he says is what we just talked about. God also told Paul, my power works best in weakness. My power works best in that situation. And I think that's the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach the disciples when they asked about this blind man. And so I want us to just go ahead and read what happens next when Jesus is interacting with the blind man. Look at this. It says, Then he, Jesus, spit on the ground, and he made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Uh, Siloam means scent. Um, So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. His neighbors, I love this, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. (laughs) I, uh, I love that. But the beggar kept saying, he said, yes, I'm the same guy. I'm the same person. And they asked him, they said, who healed you? What happened? And I love this. He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes. And he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Later on, the Pharisees would question this same man. And they brought him in and they tried to entice him to say bad things about Jesus. But over and over again, the man just said, this is all I know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. And that's where we get the song Amazing Grace. It's from John chapter 9, where the man said, I was blind, but now I see. Here's the thing, and I just want to wrap this up because I know I'm in overtime already. My prayer for my son Zeke And my prayer for you today is that if you're facing something hard, I pray that your experience will be like the experience of this blind man. In the middle of this time, take heart in the fact that the glory of God will be manifested in you in this time of of trial. Take heart in that. That's the first thing to take heart in. Take heart in the fact that just like this blind man, the glory glory of God will be manifested in, in the way that you are facing this trial with the joy of the Lord in your heart. Take take heart in that. But second of all, take heart in this. Take heart in the fact that these circumstances are but a passing thing. And God will not let you go through it forever. Just like he didn't let this blind man go through blindness forever. We worship the great physician. We worship the God of miracles. We worship the God of second chances. We worship the God of, not just the God of yesterday and today, but we worship the God of tomorrow. And I'm, I'm just asking you today, take heart in the fact that even when you're in the middle of suffering, that the glory of God will be manifested through you. And second of all, take heart in the fact that this is but a passing thing and that we worship the God who can do miracles and can do amazing things. Uh, so I just want to encourage you with that today and uh, have a great rest of your day.